Well, welcome everybody to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about right here on LinkedIn. We do welcome audience participation. After all, we are here to link the industry. So if you have a comment on any of the stories we discuss here today, please raise your hand and we'll get you on stage. My name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I am the CEO of Agentivity, where we make it our mission to elevate the service ability of travel management companies through the effective use of data. And I am Anne and I'm a consultant in the travel and airline industry. I also work as an instructor with both IATA and Aeroclass. And you'll see we're joined today by Mohit. Uh, Mohit is sort of standing in for us because we do have a slight challenge today and I thought we could do this. Mayday! Mayday! Can you read me? <laughs> because uh, it is May Day and it is also the 1st of May. So uh, we are unfortunately unable to have Ash on today as one of our other anchors. And normally he rounds up this introduction so nicely, I forgot what he actually says. But he normally ends up with, you know, blah, 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 fish cake. And then he says, this is linking the travel industry. So I'll just do that. So um, thank you, everybody, for giving us your time on what is, I would assume, in many countries, a public holiday. And we also want to say to any of those currently at the Arabian travel market in Dubai, have a great time and, um, you know, well done for being there. I hope you have comfortable shoes on the side of my post. It's a huge venue to normally navigate. But if you are joining us from the ATM, please, uh, you know, have some fun and thank you for giving us your time. So the format of this discussion evolves around the post I do on a Friday. And so without further ado, let me refer back to my post I did last week, which was about week 17 of 2023. So the first story was from South America, both stories involving uh, Avianca, which is Colombia's biggest airline. And they had two stories in the news. One was about a subscription service, and the other one was about a merger of Viva that finally got the go-ahead. So um, the subscription service one came up uh, from Business Travel News Europe. I see it's received a lukewarm reception, but it is it's not covering a European flights. It's mostly regional, I would imagine. And um, it comes with a bunch of benefits, such as, you know, allowing to make changes, etc. Not a massively big reception there. And what did you make of their move there? Uh, well, I mean, I was I was really happy to see the merger there with um, or the, the plan of merger with Viva. But coming back to the subscription, I read the article and then I read it again. and And it was very vague. I mean, it didn't say much because, as you know, I am a firm believer in subscriptions. I really like the model because it builds loyalty in in a very, very exceptional way if done well. But it didn't say anything in the article really much about what really are the perks. It was extremely vague. Mahit, what did, what did you think of it, make of it? You know, I, I think it was a great story. I think when airlines try to solve customer problems via such partnerships with tech companies, creating a win-win for, you know, all involved, like the customer, the airline and SaaS provider, in this case, Caravello, I think uh, it, it really kind of finds that synergy. So to your point, I think it was not too detailed. It was more of a high-level kind of, you know, article that they had provided. They already had Viva as one of their customers. So I think that also correlates to the next story of the merger. Uh, because I think we was really looking at the bankruptcy otherwise. And we continue to see consolidation. More markets now, uh, after this merger happens, uh, 50% of the seats capacity would be owned by one player. Let's hope the market takes them up on it, sir, and because like I said, it wasn't well received. The, the merger, that's good news for them. Hmm. 
My next story involves something really cool, which I like. Maybe that's just the tech geek in me, but that was United Airlines and their advertising campaign that they were running. On the roofs of New York cabs, they have a little uh, electronic uh, display there, which is linked to a GPS uh, device. And it can calculate what is the distance from that specific point towards JFK Airport or to Newark, EWR. And of course, they're trying to promote the fact that EWR or Newark is much better positioned because they've recently obviously shifted business there. And it's very, very clever. So I really like it. I don't know what you make of it, Anne. Well, I do like the the campaign very much. The only thing I'd like to add is that last time I was in New York, it took me much more than 44 minutes. <laughs> so I was a bit disappointed there. It took me forever. So so I'm not too sure about that one. I do like the camp. What, what I find very interesting is actually rerunning uh, a campaign. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall and, and hear what success rate of that is. Uh, but why not? You know, you know, it's an eye catcher. Yeah. I just wonder what it will do if the cab is closer to JFK than to Newark. Does it then just not display anything? <laughs> because surely that will happen at some yes. point. There are room for, for, for questions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually, when I, when I went back to Newark, I actually caught the train instead from Penn Station because yes. I, I thought that was much more reliable. You know, I, I mean, what I just like about this is that it's a bit of out-of-the-box thinking and it's not your traditional billboards and it's, uh, it's very cool. So well mm. done to United. Mm. The next story is still with an airline, this, this time with Air France KLM over in Europe. They published a, a bit of material, if you want, that says they would like to have 90%, so 9-0, what they call indirect sales to be via an NDC channel by 2027. So it's now 2023, so a good old four years away. Blink of an eye, four years in our industry, rights. And What did you make of this? Well, I must confess that I had to read the article in French because it mm-hmm. didn't, you know, I, I, was, I was struggling away there and, and realized, my God, I should have put this in Google Translate. But mm-hmm. uh, it was a very long article. It, well, again, you know that I struggle with this. Edifact discussion, and but that goes for for everybody that we've sort of I don't know why Edifact has become this buzzword. And like I very often say, is that if you have command or a functionality that is in Edifact and you wrap that in an XML message, that's not really going to help much, is it? I mean, availability calls are mainly Edifact. There are, of course, those who have moved away that don't use Edifact, for instance, Google. You know, it's very interesting, all of this. So that I find very challenging. But apart Mm. from that, yes, ambitious goal and vision. And 90%, that's a very, very high number. You know, I I would really like to see airlines and and hopefully, you know, the the large airlines, really big airlines should get together and and try to really modernize the stuff behind the scenes, you know, like uh, modernize interlining. Coacher should not exist uh, full stop in my book. Well, one thing that I do understand is that, um, uh, I mean, Air France is is a real true direct channel. And, and I also think that airlines should look at is, for instance, fair filing, is that necessary? You know, how do we modernize all of that? Those are the underlying components that I think should be modernized, truly. Relating to that was American Express Global Business Travel announcing that they've actually done an integration with the Air France KLM NDC content, and they're going to make it available via Agencia and their Neo booking tool. So um, interesting move by them. Just 
I was going to say just earlier this week or no, it can't be earlier this week because today's Monday. Late last week, we were, I was having a conversation with someone where we were a bit concerned about the bigger guys and their move in the space. That sounds like a good move. I'm sure there's a story behind the story, but at least they've done that development, right, Anne? Yes, that's an excellent move. And and don't misunderstand me. I really, truly admire Air France. I think that, that a lot of what they're doing is really the real way, you know, the good way to go about all of this. I, they have, you know, kudos to them. They have my admiration. And so have Amex now that they've implemented. I just wanted to add, you know, it feels like we are into the NDC uh, kind of, you know, announcement season. Uh, everybody kind of, you know, goes on stage and <laughs> kind of announces things. I love that, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, there was one thing maybe and uh, you that might have caught your attention on that article, particularly was the uh, new standard MMP. Uh, you know, so basically we are talking about a standard over a standard. So, you know, it's quite understandable. What does that stand for? MMP stands stands for minimum marketable product. Oh wow, okay. marketable product, not not viable product. That's yeah. an MVP. It's marketable product. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yes, we we see a lot of marketable products out there, right? And we don't see the other one now. Yeah. We joined. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce your name, but maybe I shouldn't because I might just do it uh, injustice. It's your- a lot easier than it looks. It's just Thai. Ty, yeah. okay, great. Ty, thank you for joining us. You're from ATP, right? Uh, did you have a comment yes. on the things we just mentioned? You know what? I um, I was just more so curious, more so like a question. Uh, I was curious if you would, if we would be able to, you know, maybe, you know, prime mine on this, on this, on that, in your interview with her next week on on the session, because I think it was really interesting to get their take on how they get to 90 percent. We're curious as to the actions that they're trying to put in place um, to achieve that. I think, Anne, you brought up a bunch of great questions about do they have any plans for interlining and what that means. I know at ATPCO we have similar goals for 2026. You know, they've upped that up and talking 90 percent by 27. And it's just curious because there are a lot of questions and all the points you you all made about NDC kind of being the thing, you know, everywhere. Uh, But it would be great to start to see concrete actions, you know, and I think collectively as an industry, I think it is good that everyone is maybe picking up from each other and saying, "Okay, okay, that makes sense. Can we do that? Can we jump on that? So I tell you what we will do is um, you can also ping me and uh, drop me some of your specific questions. I, I don't want to take advantage of uh, her kind offer to talk to me and Anne and, and you know, get more people in there. But the intention for both myself and Anne was to obviously ask some specific questions and then talk about them on here in our next session and also do some posts about it. So we will certainly share. I will I will welcome some specific questions from you if you have them. Just, just yeah, that would be fantastic. That okay, fantastic. great. Thank you. Thank you, Tay. I was really hoping by next story we would have uh, Ash here, right? Because this is right in his backyard. This was about the fact that high-speed rail is uh, coming to the U.S. Now, I have to clarify, when I say coming to the U.S., there is some sections of Amtraff apparently, which is fast-ish, about 150 miles an hour, and they're going to upgrade that. But this specific, you know, development or you know, investment, if you want, that's going to happen is in California, basically between Las Vegas and the southern parts of California. There's a new rail line that's going to be built in. It's got, I don't know, 12. Yeah, it has a 12 billion dollar cost, and it it has received or it's applied for a further grant from the government. So that's good news, and we can finally see rail in the U.S. It's a really, really good sign. I think. 
always a high speed, I could be wrong though, between Dallas and Houston, or hasn't that been implemented? I mean, they are looking at more and more areas, but rail, of course, is behind Europe, not necessarily certain parts in Europe. I was earlier on today having a discussion with um, a, a lady who works in destination marketing. We were just talking about how appallingly bad Swedish rail is, but, you know, in general, European rail is better than, than US rail. Okay. But, so it's very, very good news. Is, uh, is Swedish rail as expensive as UK rail? Yes, yes, especially uh, post-pandemic, I would say oh. it, it is, yes. Before we go on, thank you for those joining us today. We really appreciate you. Some some familiar faces. Um, Alex, nice to see you. Jonathan, good to see you. Jibu, good to see you. I see you now with Blue Ribbon Bag, so thank you for joining us. Yeah, good to see some familiar faces there. My next story was news worth celebrating, and it was Turkish Airlines, who celebrated their 1 billionth passenger since starting to fly in 1933. It's quite a nice achievement, and they obviously have some massively big plans for, for growing their business, and I saw with delight that they are really targeting Sydney and Melbourne, or Australia as a whole, because Turkish Airlines actually doesn't fly to Australia at the moment. So that was that's very interesting and, and good for them. So quite a lot of uh, good news coming out of Turkey there. <laughs> The next one, uh, immediately when I saw this, I had to uh, think of Mark Ross because it's about uh, loyalty. And um, the International Airlines Group, who, as we know, you know, amongst others, owns British Airways in Iberia, they used to bundle up their their loyalty revenue reporting as part of the airline results, but they've recently started separating that. And Robert Boyle brought us an article there where he jumps into the numbers, and it's really a good read. So if you're not following Robert Boyle, you should. It's it's he's got a great article there where he dived into the the numbers behind it, and it's staggering. It's really good business, right, Anne? Yes, Lloyd. Loyalty is good business. It's a it's a shame that that is taken and it's taking airlines so long to realize it. You know, we've spoken about that so many times, haven't we, Rian? How the organizations are so separated and siloed. And of course, they can they can leverage so much off one another. And of course, it's it's very lucrative. Taking uh, them long, and because they can't get hold of Mark. He's sitting in conferences listening to you speak. You see, that's why. So <laughs> I enjoyed his company last week. It was great. He did, of course, several panels and a great presentation. It's always, you know, a pleasure listening to Mark. He's a wealth of, of wisdom and inspiration. More airlines should listen to Mark. Then the next one is actually over to you, Anne, because I posted about this, but I have to say I can't really make heads or tails of it. But Southwest Airlines in the U.S. extending its partnership with Amadeus, and they talk about the investing more in Amadeus, Altea and Camber. And um, I said in my post, maybe I'll just leave this up to you to explain to us what they've done, <laughs> if anything. Yes, which I realized fairly early this morning. Well, thankfully, earlier this morning, I realized that it left it over to me. So I uh, That's okay. Oh, is, I this another, is, this another, is this another MMP, minimum marketable product? <laughs> It was very strange marketing, though, I must say, because I got very confused. So it's Southwest, of course, are already 
they host it on Altea, the Amadeus PSS um, platform, right? And uh, now they are expanding um, their in, this into revenue management. And it was confusing in the article because it did speak about Amadeus, here's another acronym, NRM, it's called Network Revenue Management, which I believe is the traditional Amadeus revenue management solution. And then Amadeus has another product called Amadeus SRM, so segment revenue management. But in the article, and I would have assumed or I thought that Canva, which was the company they acquired, was the Amadeus SRM, the segment revenue management system, because you may. But then they actually talk in the article about NRM and Canva. So it's like talking about apples and pears. So that that confused me a, a great deal. But uh, And I would assume that it would have been Canva because, I mean, there's no point for South, Southwest. I mean, they don't interline. They don't, you know, it's just Southwest. So, uh, so I think Canva would be a good solution for them. And, of course, Canva is uh, the, the company that, that Amadeus acquired, a very good revenue management system, very innovative and really designed clearly for, for low-cost airlines. Southwest yeah. obviously extending the portfolio. If it confused you, I have no chance. You see, that's why I just left it over to you. So, um, yes, I'm glad it was just not not just me who couldn't really make too much out of that story. But uh, anyway, I think it's sufficient to say that Southwest is basically, you know, extending its relationship with Amadeus. And before I get to yours, or even maybe we hit extra stories, I just thought from my side, it was a bit late for me to get that in, but it was interesting to see that Hyatt was buying Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the chain. Maybe we'll talk more about that with uh, with Ash next week. And we have talked about them before, but the UK-based Grey Doors Travel uh, made a US acquisition of an agency in Florida. So now they have what they call uh, customer coverage wherever the sun is shining around the world. So that was good news for them. And um, again, very good news for them too. Um, conclude on that ambition that they had there to to be truly global. So uh, well done to Great Doors. Those are my extra stories. And did you have anything extra from your side? Um, yes, I had a couple. And first, I want to congratulate Great Doors. They are really wow. They are mm-hmm. they are growing so fast. I'm I'm full of admiration. Uh, well, of course, I I had an extra story which I already know Rian, that you don't like very much, but it was the one on uh, Emirates who announced that they have their first road robotics check-in assistant and this really made my day I think sometimes you know it's I hope I don't get into trouble by saying this but sometimes the service or rather the lack of service can be so appalling that maybe robotics is the way to go sometimes and really help and alleviate somewhat so I was pleased to see this I do believe in robotics very much Yes, I, I maybe I made a bit of a side comment to say I'm not necessarily a fan of it. I can tell you now, if I'm standing somewhere in a queue and a robot comes past and says, let me, let me check you in, so I would love it, right? Because, yes, uh, I know. So, so would I. So there we go. So would I. Yeah. And also sort out all this. Uh, there is, you know, I told you about, well, that was during the pandemic, but I mean, it still sort of happens that during the pandemic, there were half of the passengers who didn't have the app sorted for Spain or, you know, yeah. the requirements. I mean, all of this stuff can be managed in a much better way. No, so it's going to bring very new meaning to the phrase, computer says no, right? So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I would I would love, you know, robots helping me out. I would for sure. Then uh, I saw, of course, uh, another article that caught my attention and that was Simple Flying, which was really sad. And that is why it caught my attention. And that is that uh, cancellations 
European flight cancellations have increased um, by 65% this month. And it's just, um, it's just getting worse, isn't it, with, uh, with ATC in France? And, uh, yes. So 14,000 flights were cancelled in March. It's, it's very sad. And, and, um, uh, I, I obviously read anything to stretch, but I saw a, a little uh, article where a um, guy from Ryan, uh, O'Leary, Michael O'Leary, was bitterly complaining. <laughs> yeah. They were told, what, <laughs> on Friday? Guy. They were told on Friday they had to cancel 400-odd flights on Monday because, you know, now the ATC strikes are also affecting overflights, right? So he was very unhappy about that. Well, yes. I mean, this is a problem he's been addressing for many, many, many years. And actually not Michael. Well, Michael O'Leary is addressing it, but it's actually Eurocontrol who are um, strong advocates for this, that you should have overflight rights much higher up in the airspace. than I mean, France shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't be able to, there should be space that you can overfly regardless. And of course you can. And we just have to modernize this and change it. It, it just, I mean, France is such a large territory. It just cannot impact as much in this way as they do. And it's got to change. Wait, did you have anything extra to add? I just wanted to add last week, as I was mentioning, I was at the ITB India event and you can't seem to go and, you know, attend these uh, conferences, industry events and not hear about AI and chat GPT, how they've been, 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 they are being adopted in our industry. And all, uh, apart from all the acronyms and everything, maybe we'll have a, we'll have to do something, uh, some story around that too later on. Mohit, there's for sure, for sure. I, I have been talking to some very, very interesting companies. I've been keeping quiet about it, but there's some very nice developments happening there, especially if you combine a few factors such as uh, low staff factors, a risk of uh, staff knowledge, you know, having left, you know, the pandemic and not returning, complex, you know, booking methods and processes now, challenging, uh, you know, uh, customer service engagements with lots of changes. Look, and just mentioned all the cancellations. So so there's plenty of uh, things in the pod brewing there for really good solutions to put that AI to good use, not just, you know, I ask it to help me plan a trip, but for front-ending a lot of that uh, inbound queries. So I think it's a fantastic idea to, to do a bit of a deep dive in that, and we should certainly set that up. Okay, both of you. So that was it now. And Ash really does a really good closure, doesn't he? So now we oh, just think what he normally does. But uh, do you want to just do your closing round, and then I'll try and finish? I want to thank everybody uh, for attending uh, today. It's so good to, to have you here, guys, and so much in you know, all this great company. Thank you, everyone. Until next time. Yeah, thank you both. And thanks, Wade, for stepping up and helping us out today. And thanks, Anne, for your time. For those in the audience, we really appreciate your time today. Again, we, we appreciate it. it might be a holiday. You might be at a show. Um, have fun if you are. We do this every week. If you thought this is uh, of use to you or if you can think of colleagues who will enjoy this, do tell them about it. And if they can't make it because of time issues or time zone challenges, we do actually turn this into a podcast, which you can find at businesstravel360.com. And we publish this every week. So thank you for your time. We really appreciate that this was linking the travel industry.